top of the day, everyone. I just want to give everyone a kind of heads up before the episode starts. I realized when I was editing the episode that I was a little bit more drunker than I thought that I was. So I stumbled over a little bit of words and, you know, I kind of forgot some words. But the important thing is now the information is on point. Everything is factual that I said. But I did stumble over some words. Now, I can't promise you that I'm not going to be drunk again during another episode. But I blame Buddha for this. Let's just all blame Buddha. Because usually he we drink out of it. We drink the same bottle. But he decided to do some dark alcohol. And I don't do dark. So I have it clear to myself. It's a whole nother story. But anyway, I apologize for that. Accept my apology and enjoy the show. Top of the day. Welcome to another episode of Hot Garbage True Crime Edition. I'm your host, Nisha, and this is my beautiful best friend and co-host. Buddha badass. And today, I have to give a trigger warning about this case up front, like a major trigger warning. This case, it um, it has the death of a child, the abuse of a child, the neglect of a child. So I'll understand anybody that doesn't want to be here. You know, we'll see you next episode. But for everybody else that's going to be here, this is going to be a really rough case today. Yes, and yes. it's so and be, sad. Be conscious about the bad that happened to the little ones. Yeah, it's so sad. I don't like to do child cases that much, but you know what? Once in a while, we have to throw a little bit in just because, you know, they're important. Their cases have to be heard, too. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, kids get killed, too. Yeah, it is terrible. Well, at the top of this case, I want to, like, basically say, because this case centers around a lot on a workaholic. You know, so I wanted to say like, so, wow, you get a lot of these characteristics of a killer. I just want you to know. <laughs> I'm a workaholic. You a child that's, you know, I, in a school and you, you're very strict on them and you're a workaholic and I, she's starting to date, but you don't really approve of her boyfriends. I'm oh telling my gosh. you, death is in your future. Oh, don't say that. Well, I wanted to say like, you know, cause I, and speaking of my child, like, you know, I always tell you how good my daughter's dad is. He's a wonderful dad. Like he's there for her. He supports us and everything, but he is a workaholic as well. Mm. And I mean, like, literally he's always at work. So like, for example, like um, this last year for her cheerleading, he had, he didn't make one single game because he was at work. You know, he missed his birthday dinners and stuff like that. But you know, because he's always at work. However, I feel like, and I can, you know, definitely say that if I murdered my daughter, he would definitely notice that you know you think he knows he would definitely notice that like and you as a working man if your wife murdered one of your kids would you notice that well i have a very interactive relationship with my kids so yeah yeah so that's one thing so and i i just wanted everybody to be on the same page of that no matter how horrid you work if one of your children is murdered you're gonna notice that you know what i mean you would think you would yeah i mean you're bringing this up as a public clarification for yeah obviously someone did not notice somebody did not notice or said he didn't notice and i'm using air quotes but we're gonna get into this case here because there was a major disconnect for Elon Musk because according to what he says he did not know what was going on in his house because he just worked so hard hmm. <clears throat> so this is about Imani Moss. Abria, Imani Gabrielle Moss was born on April 23rd, 2003. Now, it was really sad because shortly after Imani's birth, her mother, she was very addicted to drugs. So she surrendered her parental rights. And Imani was one of the five children born to her mother. And so her mother surrendered all parental rights of all of her children. Now, Imani actually, when she was born, had drugs in her system. So she had to be detoxed when she was born. Jesus. Now, Imani's father, Iman, had actually previously been charged and convicted with battery and second degree, uh, you know, assault on Imani's mother. 
And so he had gone to jail, but you know, after a minute, it was kind of like the lesser of the two evils. He cleaned his act up and he was able to take custody of Imani. So now Iman is a single dad, you know, raising Imani by himself. And we, just one of them? He didn't take any of the other ones? Well, I don't know if the other, because she was one of five. I don't know if they were all his kids. I don't think they were all his kids. Imani was the youngest out of them. And I think she was the only one that was his. Oh, dang. All the other ones, I don't know what happened. And this is the last time we're going to hear about Imani's mom in the story because I don't know what happens to her after this. But I just know she just don't have her children anymore. Mm. Now, Iman raised, raised Imani for a while and he took her to Freedom Christian Church. And there, that's when he met Tiffany Moss, who was a preschool teacher at the time. By the way, her name wasn't her last name wasn't Moss at the time they're, they're gonna they get married and that's why it's Tiffany Moss but I couldn't find what her name was before the marriage so I'm just gonna be calling her Tiffany Moss even before the marriage if that makes sense okay so now Iman and Tiffany ended up getting married in July of 2009 and then they had two children they had a son and then they had a daughter together so now there's three children in the house now there was no records at all that Tiffany, you know, abused her biological children. She was a wonderful mom to her kids. You know, she always took care of them and, you know, they were her world. However, she would always abuse Imani because Imani was not her child. Mm. Now this abuse increased in March, 2010. She had ended up be beating. She ended up beating Imani really bad. And that caused Tiffany to lose her job because Imani at that time was six years old and she told the school nurse that she feared going home with a bad report card because she said that she worried that her parents would hurt her really bad. She also told the nurse that her stepmother, Tiffany, has spanked her with a curtain rod as well. Mm. So then the nurse did a full check on her and she found that there was multiple scabs, there was bruises, there was welts all on Imani's arms, back, chest, legs, and shoulders at this time. So at this time, Imani was taken to the police headquarters so that they can talk to her. Now, Tiffany was arrested and charged with first degree child cruelty as soon as she got to the police station. Tiffany then admitted that she hit Imani three times because Imani failed to do her homework. So for this charge, she pleaded guilty. She was sentenced to five years of probation. Is he saying that he didn't know that all this was happening? Mm -hmm. He was at work and all, she went to jail and all this shit? <laughs> Where that's is he what, working at? That's what they, so I'll get to it, but he has two jobs, but this is what makes this whole thing just ridiculous. Like literally, um, he took, he was at work all the time and he just let Tiffany have full run of the household. I mean, but you have to so, be gone for days for somebody to go to jail <laughs> and get charged and be presented before a court and plead guilty. Mm -hmm. Like where the hell was you at? That, and that's why this is, this case it's so ridiculous to me. Like, when I say stupidest part of the crime, this whole thing was the stupidest part of the crime because it's just going to get worse. I mean, jeezy peas. Like, where? I mean, you can't even say you're a truck driver. Did you call at least once? Right. Like, did you, like, what is going on? That's his side check. That's what's happening. He's over at somebody else's house. He has, See, I he has even a think whole nother life. There's well, no job where you're yeah. gone for that doggone long and don't contact your quote-unquote family that would be a plot twist though because what if that, this was really his side check and this by the way this has not been proven but that would be a plot twist though. i guarantee what if this whole thing was check. he had a whole nother family and that's what it is yeah but that i don't know because this whole thing comes to light and it becomes and a she big really thing. don't like the daughter because uh i mean think about it if if he's gone that much and if he doesn't see he can't he doesn't even know you went to court and went to jail <laughs> And then got the felt back out of jail and then had to sit there and go to child custody things and get your kids back and all that. <laughs> if he was not even aware of any of that, 
<laughs> like, well, that means that he's pawning off his kid to you for months at a time. Dale. I mean, and, and yeah, I didn't even think about that. I was like, but then when all this came, the, if there was a whole other family, somehow that would have came out, right? When all this happened, because it's going to go down. It's about to go down. I mean, so not like, on his part. Like, she about to do something crazy to a kid she hate because there's a man that she don't ever see. No, I'm talking about the other... If he had another family, wouldn't we at some point know that there's another family now because all this came to light? Like, I'm surprised they wouldn't... Well, they probably wouldn't have had to go to court and testify. And I think yeah, this he, he ain't got to test, yeah, he yeah. Ain't testify and say nothing about his life. Damn. You... Just like you saw the John Bidet Ramsey case, you might have broke something on this case. Girl, I've, I've seen Rolling Stone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I've listened to a whole lot of Temptations. So... Man, <laughs> there's guys that they have a whole second life and it's, pl- it's plainly yeah. spelled out sometimes. It does like, really mm. actually happen, though. Yeah. Now, so you can see where her resentment came from because she's basically having this, and both and by said by both parties, that's both of the stories that are verifiable is that you're gone a, a good amount of time. Mm-hmm. Sounds like months at a time with this child left to this woman and you don't contact them. Damn. Because you, your daughter would get on the phone and be like, she's beating me with curtain rods. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like something. Something. I was, only you would make me laugh during this case because I thought I was going to be hella down right now. <laughs> <laughs> now, she was sentenced to five years probation and it was uh, Georgia's first offender program because this took place in Georgia. So that's why they was a little bit more lenient. Now, the Georgia Division of Family and Children's Services also signed the plea deal as well. And the case was dismissed against Tiffany and Iman. Uh, so he did know about it because they both had to complete parenting classes after this. Because he, you know what I mean, since he was part of the household, he also had to do the classes. So that answered our question right well, there. I'm like, there's no way. Yeah, not this part. Now, after the March 2010, you know, beating, Imani was taken from her father and stepmother's home and she was placed with her grandmother, Robin. And that was Iman's mom. Now, Robin is the sweetest lady ever. She stayed with her for about six months. And during this time, Imani's school performance improved. And, you know, the grandmother was just the sweetest to her. And she noticed that Imani would get really jumpy when she would, you know, do anything because she was so scared. Like one time she accidentally broke a glass in the kitchen and she got so scared she was going to get in trouble. And Robin was like, no, it's okay. I just don't want you to cut yourself. She was like, it's, you know, it's not a problem. It's happened, you know. Now, Iman at this time fought for custody of Imani back. And in the fall of 2010, he, you know, completed the parenting classes that he needed. So she was returned back to them, you know, to Iman and um, Tiffany. Even though the grandmother, Robin, was saying, like, you know, she could totally stay here. Like, I would raise her. This would be a good environment. They went ahead and, you know, released her back after they did the parenting classes. Now, Robin fought to retain custody of, you know, Imani, but, and she suspected that she knew that Imani was being abused, but she couldn't persuade the authorities to give her custody. And we see this happen time and time again. It's like, you have a good home right here. You know what I mean? But they're like, no, these are the parents. They did what they needed to do. They completed a class. So they just gave her back, you know? I mean, that's kind of a force at hand. That's the rules. Yeah. Now, the prosecutors later argued at a trial that the March 2010 abuse incident launched an escalating cycle of more, you know, abuse, basically. Because after everything that happened, it's like Tiffany resented Imani even more because, again, Tiffany lost her job behind this, too, because she was a preschool teacher. So she had, you know, abuse against a child. So that made things even worse. So that was what was argued later is this child was placed back into the custody. And of course, you're going to have resentment against somebody that basically caused you to lose your job and stuff like that. You know, in her mind, her mind it was tiff it was imani's fault which it completely wasn't now 
And also because Tiffany Moss had pleaded guilty to beating Imani, she was no longer ever allowed to teach preschool ever again. So she was very, very resentful at that point. I just think, I mean, mm -hmm. it's astounding to me. How did the courts allow a person to be put back into custody of someone who pled guilty to beating them down? Mm -hmm. So they confess, yeah, I'd be beating that kid. Right. And be like, all right, well, you can have him back after class. Right, and that's the thing. And then she's no longer allowed to teach at preschool, so she's not allowed to be around other, other people's, people's kids. kids but but you're around the kid that you beat now. Yeah. You can be back around that one. That doesn't make sense. That See, the, the system is fucked up all the time. Like, the system's fucked up. This right. is a promise. That example. one's kind of... I'm like, what? I just wanted to reiterate that, like, make sure we both heard the, the same thing mm-hmm. we just heard. Okay. Now... After she lost her job as a preschool teacher, she decided to just be a housewife. So all the financial responsibility was on Iman. So he ended up working two jobs and he only got three hours of sleep a day. So Tiffany continued to abuse Imani for the next several years. In July 2012, Imani tried to run away from home twice. So in one case, she went to the apartment office and she told the people in the office that she wanted to run away because Tiffany had tied her up with a belt and placed her in a cold shower. And then the police responded and told and was told by Tiffany that, you know, Imani was not telling the truth at all. And that's just not true. So at that point, there wasn't enough evidence. So nobody was charged and Imani just stayed there. I got beat that night. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Now, in another July 2012 incident, Imani ran away as she was found sleeping in the bushes of a nearby apartment complex by a police officer. So this time she had ran away about 9.30 p.m. at night and Tiffany noticed that she was gone. So she texted her dad, Iman, at work and she told him she wasn't going to call the police. She wasn't going to do anything. When he gets off work, he just needs to deal with it. So he didn't get off work till about 11.30 at night. And then that's when they called the police. So your daughter is missing and you still continue to, to finish out your shift, basically. And then you come home and that's when they call the police. So I want everybody to know that. That is love. That's crazy. (laughs) Now, Imani then told the police officer that she had run away because her stepmother was so mean to her. So the police reported the, you know, the, this occurrence to the, um, the, what do you call it? I lost my train of thought. The child. CPS. Yes. CPS. Thank you. It's best. It's G D F C S because it's Georgia, but yeah, CPS. (laughs) I was like, why did I lose my train of thought right there? I could not think. So they filed a runaway and curfew violation charges against Imani, but this was to ensure that she would see a juvenile court judge. So they was hoping that that would get her out of the house. So when she got to court, though, she got really scared in front of the judge, you know, and she kind of like clammed up and she wouldn't say anything in front of the judge at court. So she was then again put back into the custody of Iman and Tiffany. Now, from 2011 to the summer of 2013, the Moss family moved around a lot, and sometimes they would have to live with family until they got their self together. So Iman, this was when he said he was working long hours, and he didn't see his daughter often. He didn't see any of his kids often because he was never, you know, there at all. And so he- How are you working two jobs? Mm-hmm. And y'all living in other people's house. That's what I don't understand. I mean, they eventually get an apartment and stuff, but I don't know why they was going falling on financial hard times. It seemed like they would at least be able to get like a little apartment or something. Right, like, and you got two jobs where you don't come in until midnight. Yeah, something what, wasn't what, adding what, up. Yeah, what like, are they paying on? you? What, why are you at the job if you ain't making enough to pay your rent? Yeah. 
that confused me a lot because I was like, they don't even get a place until towards like the end of the story. And I was like, well, what's going on? Right. But y'all always talk about, he's always, he's never said that he didn't have work. Yeah. That's how you didn't have places. Yeah. So he was always working quote unquote, mm-hmm. but you didn't have a place. Yeah. That's crazy. Now, Imani later reported at trial that she would eat a lot when he saw her on the weekends, but you know, she was mostly in charge of the children. So she did start losing weight and stuff like that because Tiffany started starving her, you know, she would feed her kids, but she would starve Imani. So when, so Tiffany basically rarely saw like a standard family a lot, you know, and she wouldn't let Imani see a standard family a whole lot. Robin didn't get to see her granddaughter a whole lot. And it was just like really sad because Robin was like, she wants to see her more. But as Tiffany started abusing Imani more and more, then she wasn't letting her see her family members. So now in May of 2013, this was for Mother's Day, the Mosses visited Iman's sister, Shanice, and they, you know, they went over there for Mother's Day. It was Shanice, it was Robin, and they noticed that Imani's hair had been cut and she was losing weight rapidly. So when Robin confronted Tiffany about it, Tiffany reportedly said, if you act ugly, you should look ugly. So she admitted that she had cut Imani's hair. Mm. So Sharonice noticed also that, you know, Imani was acting very timid, quiet, scared and everything like that. And, you know, it really concerned them a lot. So, and then to make it worse, after that school year ended, Iman and Tiffany announced that they was pulling Imani from public school and they were going to homeschool her. So Sharonice objected to the idea, you know, she called the CPS. And what home? Oh, oh, they they ended up getting an apartment. They they got a new apartment. So they did get one, okay. but there is no, there was no home at this time. But yeah, they ended up getting one, but shortly after Mother's Day. So Sharonice and Robin called, um, you know, the CPS to kind of, you know, intervene in this situation, but they were declined. They was just like, there's not enough evidence. You know, parents are allowed to pull their kids out of school and homeschool, and that's not any kind of crime, you know? Now, on August 6, 2013, the GDFCS received an anonymous tip that Imani was neglected by her father and her stepmother, you know, appeared to be abusing her and she was really thin. Now, she also, Robin also filed a lawsuit against GDFCS and it says that, you know, that they never came to the home. They never conducted a follow-up. It was just, everything was just, you know, we don't have enough evidence at this time. So this was during the time that they moved into a new apartment. And when they moved into a new apartment, they became very reclusive from everybody. Robin never saw her granddaughter again alive after Mother's Day because they got their new apartment. She didn't have an address. They didn't know where to find them at all or even talk to them. Mm. So they have at this point completely just, you know, alienated themselves away from everybody because they knew what they was doing to Imani. I mean, but he doesn't aware of that either, that yeah. you're no longer even talking to your family. He's going to claim he's not aware of that either. <laughs> right. Like, do you do you not notice? You can't be so oblivious. And that's why that is, it's just a crock of bullshit that you're going to say you was at work all the time. And that's why this happened. You can't use work for everything. Like, I mean, wow. <laughs> now, like I said, Mother's Day, and now this was in May 2013, this was the last time any members of Imani's family besides her father, her stepmother, and her siblings saw her alive. So in the late summer of 2013, Iman, Tiffany, and their children moved into an apartment, and this was in Lawrenceville, Georgia. 
So this was, you know, basically for all intents and purposes, this is when Imani just completely vanished from the face of the earth to everybody else. Now, during this time, Iman was still working two jobs and he was always absent from the home. He would leave for his from his first job. He would leave for his first job early, early in the morning. And then he would briefly return late in the afternoon and then he would leave for his second job around 6 p.m. before finally returning at 1030 or 11 p.m. So he was gone like from 6 a.m. to like 11 p.m. at night. Wait, wait a minute. He would come home at what time and then leave at what time? So he would leave early in the morning, like six o'clock in the morning. It says he would briefly return in the late afternoon. So I don't know around what time. Late afternoon would be like one, two. And then he would leave for his second job at around 6 p.m. Oh, so late afternoon, that would be like what, four or five because he had a morning job. And then he would leave for his second job at six. So he was at home for that because he would have to change for his second job. Mm -hmm. So you, he was at home for that little bit of time. So my thing was, like, you don't even want to see the kids a little bit during that I time. I mean, in what type of job? Like a five-hour shift job? Yeah. It's always just a five-hour shift? Right, that's what I'm like. I, I don't Because, yeah, he would leave for a second job from 6 p.m. And then he would work till about 10, 30, 11 p.m. And then the first job seems like it was his full-time job. So he was there, like, all day. Right, but with and that then break, so you'd be at eleven p.m. Mm -hmm. You'd have the break, and you'd be there from eleven p.m. until six a.m. Yeah, so at some point you would have saw the kids, and that, and either you saying the days perfectly are aligned to where you're working, uh, them both nine uh, six to eleven, mm -hmm. and so either you're off month Saturday and Sunday, yeah, or some of those days are not together, which is the highest probability. Mm -hmm. So you're not always working until eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, and it would say I remember he said before. I remember that he was off on some week because he would say Imani would eat a lot on the weekends that he was off so you was off on some weekends yeah so you had days off consistently too <laughs> yeah so because there's no way that they're always the same either they're always the same day mm -hmm. and then you're always off on the weekend yeah or they're shifting and that means you're coming home early yeah and you're not working until 11 o'clock every mm -hmm. day and simultaneously you're still having a time a full day on the weekend yeah of whichever which one of those days are to be around at your family's house yeah so the math ain't mathing or in this case math the shift ain't, ain't shifting right like what is going on right i'm just so, saying realistically if a person that's had two jobs yeah and i think at some point like we've all had two jobs and we don't work ourselves to death we don't work like seven days a week and i mean even like, if you are in a sense kind of yeah you're still not every day they're both their jobs every, yeah. it's not seven days a week both jobs yeah you're gonna have there's days no right that's there's, there's no way at all that's not even legally possible <laughs> right mm -hmm. now of course, when Iman was at work, Tiffany was left to care for all his children. And at this point, Tiffany had really started to starve and abuse Imani at one point. She wouldn't even let her eat at all. Now, on October 24th, 2013, Iman came home from his first job. He was experiencing some car problems. So he came home, he put on his uniform for his second job, and then he went to work. But his boss ended up giving him the day off to fix his car, you know. And so he ended up coming home, but he stayed outside the whole time fixing his car till about 1030 at night. So when he finally came from fixing his car outside, Tiffany told him that she had fed all the kids and everything like that. And, and Tiffany would cook a lot. So she would always like text him pictures of the stuff that she would cook. Like I'm a good woman and stuff, but she was only feeding her kids. She wasn't feeding Imani at all. Imani I mean, was like, that's so hard to believe that you ain't walked in to eat the food. If she's cooking so damn good. Right. You're not about to eat that with motor oil. That's what I'm saying. So that's what, so, so you, you didn't had to go in and get some of them chitlins and yams. Yeah. So you didn't go in and eat and you didn't notice your daughter wasn't at the table. 
So basically, it was just the four of you eating, and where's Imani at? Right. right. This whole story is just so far fetched. Like it's just ridiculous. If she's a bragger about cooker, that means she's bringing you food. Yeah. That you was eating. her main. Yeah, that was her main thing. Was that she was always texting him, like, "Baby, I cooked for you, and this is what I made," and you know, and she was mm-hmm. sending pictures, like, "When you get off work, this is your plate." That was the major thing. So, after you know, she said she fed all the kids and stuff like that. She told him after he was done fixing his car to go in the bathroom and look at Imani. So when he went in there, Imani was in the bathroom having a major seizure. I mean, she couldn't talk. Her eyes was moving back and forth. They was rolling in the back of her head. So Iman said, okay, well, we need to call the ambulance to the hospital. But Tiffany said no, because she's on probation and she could get in trouble. So Iman didn't call anybody. He moved Imani to her bed and that's where she stayed for the next couple of days. So during this time, Iman would, you know, when he would get off work or, you know, on his breaks from work, he would go in there and see how she was doing. And it became, she would get in trouble for having seizures? No, Tiffany would say she would get in trouble because she was still on probation, remember, from the first thing. So, yeah, so she was basically it was saying don't call anybody because they're going to wonder what the hell happened to her and then she's going to get in trouble. That's because her. the child is having seizures. Because the child is having seizures. Because obviously, whatever she she did something to her to cause the right. That's seizures. what I'm like. Yeah. If a, if a child's having something that's a natural problem, mm-hmm. why would you get in trouble? Right. If I cared about my child, I'd ask that mm-hmm. to go red her. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. At this point, it's like, bitch, kiss my ass. Like, there is no like woman in the world that is worth like letting somebody abuse your child like this. This is what I don't understand. I mean, because she had multiple cases that she's even pled guilty to, mm-hmm. and multiple times with the child is confessing to themselves, and then you come in and she tells you almost it sounds like calmly after you get done working on the car, like this girl just been in here for a while, like hey. Your daughter's doing something in the bathroom. Go check it out. Yeah. So you was aware that mm-hmm. some, that she was in this condition and just stated it like it was a passive thing. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. They're monsters. They're fucking monsters. Now, you see all that, why this case is horrible? That's, yeah. Now, during the time, Imani could not get out of bed at all. She was peeing in her bed. She would go to the bathroom or bed. Once in a while, she would try to like get out of her bed and she would crawl over to the corner because she was tired of peeing in her bed and everything. And, you know, then Iman said that he would try to spoon feed her like some oatmeal or some cream of wheat and she wouldn't, you know, eat it at all because at this point, whatever happened, she was just bedridden, you know? She dropped down to 32 pounds. God. Yeah, and, and the average, you know, that was not like the average because she was 10 years old at this time. She was 10 years old, 32 pounds because of everything that Tiffany did to her. Now, during this time, Tiffany was still sending him pictures of meals that she made while he was at work. And finally, on October 28th, Tiffany called Iman at work to tell him that Imani was dead. So after he got this phone call, he finished out his shift and then he went home. So he wow. didn't even, yeah, he didn't even leave work. He just Where does he work at? He worked, I don't, you know, I don't even know. Because he, he's two- had these two jobs and nobody knows what they are. Nobody knows. And then your child dies and you finish your shift. You finish that. At whatever, what is it, a warehouse for, for Ford? Like, well, where like, are you where, at? Right, where is he working at? Because it's like, why are you, so, but mind you, remember he just had car problems and the boss let him take the day off for his car, but yet you can't go tell him, hey, my child is dead, I need to take You're going to take the day off for your, with your dead child, but you'll take the day off for your car. That doesn't even make sense. These people are crazy. So after he went home, 
you know, Iman, uh, Tiffany told him, you know, Iman's dead and everything like that. So he said he came home from work and everything seemed normal. Tiffany was sitting there watching TV and the two, the other two children were playing, you know? So he was like, he came home and then he found his daughter lying on a blanket on the bedroom floor. So he told his wife that they should call the police, but she, you know, she insisted that they shouldn't because then they would take her kids from her. So they was like, she was like, we can't do anything. So Tiffany told Iman that they needed to hide Imani's body and you need to get on your criminal mind. That's exactly what she told him. So Iman wrapped Imani's body with blankets and he moved her into their computer room and then he went to his second job. Wow. Yeah. That's why this is wild. Now the couple kept Imani's body in their apartment for several days and now it makes me what did he say to the courts? these multiple times mm -hmm. that made him get custody of this child to what that he obviously does not have any type of emotional connection to. I have like, no idea. Right. How did he keep getting custody of this child? And what was he saying? I don't know. Cause my thing is, would it have been better for her to have been with the system? Cause you know, the mom was, you know, deemed a fit, but in this case scenario, like I think it would have been better for her to be placed in the system than with him. Yeah. Because I'm like, what is he saying to convince you guys yeah. to where these blatant actions mm -hmm. are happening and you guys are so sure that they're not, number one, not going to happen again. Yeah. And number two, that once the evidence is shown in his in, in, in his participation of what's happening, obviously I haven't heard what the case, but how you seem dis dispelled by it and, and so dis and so disgusted by it, mm -hmm. he doesn't get any real heavy charges. So I'm like, wh like what what was he saying in there? Like, was Johnny Cochran his lawyer? <laughs> oh, was right. he representing himself and he was just playing the harp at the same time? What was going on? Yeah, I want to know that too because he was really unfit. Like. Yeah, period he did and if you think about it once he got with tiffany it was like they created a whole family and imani was just on the outside looking in it was just all about them she was the right. mother from hell and he just allowed that to happen and he was rolling with it yeah so i'm like so like how was that so blatant for everyone else to see and the courts is is just rolling with whatever this guy says like whatever and he's he's obviously and even with some another person that's like no the grades are better in the household this and that yeah and she's doing good and she's eating well and you still like yeah no but we want to put him back with the person that's been convicted for beating right. you know like what was like, they saying that's what i'm thinking it's like what is the system thinking is the system like setting her up i don't know like because why would you not let her go with robin and she's had multiple things so it's like she's had multiple problems she ran away twice and told the police what was happening and they still didn't believe her like what's what is it gonna take All right now I, I will say it's kind of it sounds like because the system is broken like that yeah in a sense of i remember a friend of mine was telling them that uh they was getting threat life threats mm -hmm. from from an ex of theirs and constantly getting life threats and the cop was like have they made any action towards you and he was like oh, no and no. they couldn't do nothing so it was like so I can't save my... I can't call you guys to save me from being killed. Yeah. I have to call you if that guy fails at killing me. That's horrible. Like, that, the system needs to to have something better than that because so many people have gotten killed. Like, this is a, a prime example. Mm -hmm. So many people have gotten killed, and it's like, oh, like, oops. You know what I mean? And they're like, they now we can me. do something. Yeah. It's not, we can't do nothing if they don't kill you, but if they at least try and fail, all right, I'm in your corner now, buddy. What is going on? Why is it like that? It sounds like they just want people to die. <laughs> <It's just kinda, laughs> it makes more money that way. I don't know. Right. Is there like a huge life insurance policy out somebody getting? I don't, I'm, I'm like, I don't, 
Oh no. Ooh, wrong pipe. <coughs> Is uh, okay. everybody pray for Buddha right now? Now. So the couple, the couple kept Imani's body in their apartment for several days and their lives went back to normal. He was going to work. She was taking care of her other kids. And he, he said he would come home from work though. And he would go in the room and he would spend time with her body grieving over her body. He would, he said he would do that. Now, Tiffany and Iman. That's not weird at all. Yeah. Right. And Tiffany and Iman, they agreed to cover up Imani's death. So the day after Imani's death, Tiffany and Iman went to Anna's linens and they bought new sheets and a new coverall because, you know, the ones that Imani had had pee and, you know, all all over the bed. So Tiffany suggested burying Imani and reporting her as a runaway since she had already tried to run away twice. You know, nobody's going to not believe that, according to her. And... Iman went to Walmart and he bought trash bags, he bought a trash can, he bought charcoal, and he bought lighter fluid. So on Halloween, they dressed up their kids, they went trick-or-treating, they went to her sister Brittany's house and they took a whole bunch of pictures. So, you know, that's they were just enjoying their little Halloween. And then Tiffany and Iman decided to put Imani's body in a trash can and burn it. So when they tried to place her in the trash can, they found out that she was really stiff and rigor mortis had already set in. So then they used the duct tape to compress her body down so she could fit in the trash can. Imani then covered, Iman covered her with a comforter after this. Now, Tiffany stuffed Imani's body into a trash bag. And on the morning of November 1st, the couple and their two small kids, they, you know, they put Why their... Why didn't kids, they burn it? I thought they were going to Well, that's it. what they're about to do. Okay. So, yeah, on November 1st, they, they sat there, they took their kids, they put them in the back of the car, and they took their children to find a place to burn the body. Now... They made it a family trip to burn some body, a body? Yeah, the two little kids was in the back seat of the car. <sighs> so they put, they put it, they was in the SUV. So this was a whole family trip going on right here. Now, they found a secluded location to commit the arson, and they removed the trash can from their car. They added the charcoal to the bottom of the can, and they doused her body with lighter fluid, and they set it on fire. Now, the couple was sitting there watching the body burn, but they found that for some reason it wouldn't burn to ash. And the reason is because you can't burn bones. Like, this is where you learn from Dahmer. You have to, you know, there's chemical things you have to do with bones because you can't just burn up bones. But these idiots didn't realize that. They thought that if they just burn it, her whole body would just turn into ashes. I mean, but it, it <laughs> takes extremely high temperature. Yeah. That's why when people are cremated, they're in these special furnaces. Yeah. And like pressure cookers. And that goes into like 2,000 degrees. Yeah. But you can't just douse that shit in gasoline yeah, and burn it That only gets up to like 300 degrees. Yeah. What idiots. <laughs> they're not smart at all. And I'm glad they're not because, spoiler alert, they're going to get caught. So, now... After about five minutes, they put the fire out and then they took the trash can and they took her body back into their apartment to figure out what else they can do. So now Tiffany took this the, is good. Yeah. Now Tiffany. Well, so they took the they took her body back Now her body was, you know, in the back of the car. So what they did was he dropped Tiffany off with the kids at home and he ended up driving to work with her body still in the back seat. 
So he went to the apartment, dropped Tiffany and the kids off, and then drove to work. And the body was in the trash can oh in the back seat. Oh, my God. And at this point, he said it was really starting to wear on him. And he almost told his supervisor at work what was going on. Because it had been a few days that he started to feel so guilty. He almost just went into his supervisor's office like, hey, like, this is what's going on. Like, I used to be a supervisor, a manager. Imagine somebody telling you that. Like, what would you say? Like, if you were a supervisor. You super- need to take the day off. You need to take the day That's Because I'm just like, what? And as soon as he walk out, I'm calling the cops. Uh-huh. I'm right. be calm about it. Like, yeah, go ahead and take the day off, man. Yeah, paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm there for you, man. You would let them use your PTO? Man, dude, I'd give them my own PTO. Be like, look, brother, you're going to get paid my wage. <laughs> Per hour for the time that you're off. All right, just go ahead and go home. Just go, go straight home. Don't go anyplace else. Do and call the cops and be like, hey, he's going straight to his motherfucking house. <laughs> right now. Ah, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Just go home. Man. Hell no. And I make sure that I call somebody of some type of authority of the company be like, hey, bro, if y'all don't have armed guards here tomorrow, I quit. <laughs> Because there's somebody that's burning bodies. And they, what do you think they're going to do to me? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Now, at this point, he went ahead after work. He felt so horrible that he called his cousin Rudy. Now, his cousin Rudy is somebody that he grew up with. that was really his best friend, but they was raised together. So now they're more like cousins. And he was like, I really need to talk to you. I just need to get something off my chest. So Rudy, you know, meets up with him. And then he gets in the car. And Iman said... Imani is dead and she's in the back seat. And Rudy, I mean, nobody smelled that old barbecue back there. That's what I was saying. Like, because by then it had been a couple of days, so wasn't the body stanking or... and burnt up too? Yeah, like, well, that has to smell like something. Even That's when you have burnt meat in your kitchen, man, yeah. that shit smells like something, like charcoal, right? Like, I don't, I don't, it well, smells like burnt worse. meat. Yeah, I don't, I don't even understand. Now, after, you know, after Iman told Rudy this, Rudy was like, you need to call the police. You know what I mean? And he told, he just got out of the car. Like, he heard it, but got out of the car. He said, you need to call the police, like, immediately. That's, you know, what Rudy told him to do. So, Iman went home, and he told Tiffany that he had to call the police. And Tiffany was like, no, they're going to take the kids. I'm on probation. And Iman was like, no, I have to call the police, you know, because it's just too much. So, she took her kids to her mother's house, and... It dumped Imani's remains in the grassy area of the apartment complex. They just dumped her right out in the apartment complex. And then, you know, she went and took the kids to the moms. Now, Iman called the police and said that he was suicidal and he was going to kill himself. And upon arrival to the apartment, the police were told by Iman that Imani had drunk some chemicals and had died. And he claimed that he had panicked and he put her body in a trash can now, outside the apartment. how are you aware of chemicals? Right. I thought you was told that she was having a seizure. Right. This And this is another story that he's made up to the police. Right. That, like, but I'm saying right. like, but if you was convinced that your daughter is uh-huh. sick in bed with seizure uh-huh. and a medical condition, uh-huh. why would the first response, if it was natural causes that you believe right. that she died from, uh-huh. why wouldn't you get to the police office? The first thing you say is chemicals. Yeah. Poison. Uh-huh. How? Where did that come from? Where did that come from? Yeah. What? And it, how is it coincidental that that's exactly what happened? Yeah. It's not at all. That's crazy. Like, this man has told so many stories, and this is his child. Like, he just don't give a fuck about his child at all. 
Was he getting a check for her or something? I don't know. I don't think so. Because, like, well, unless you're, like, on welfare or something, which he wouldn't have been because he has two jobs. But I don't think you get a check for, like, your kids. He has two jobs, Tommy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you don't get a check for taking care of your own kids. That's the only thing. I think the grandmother probably would have got a check. Right. I was just trying to be so, why are you so adamant? Have a child that you didn't seem like you well, cared that, about. and that was my thing too. Because why didn't you want your mother to take her? She was ready, willing to take her, and you would have got what you wanted. Because it seemed like you and Tiffany wanted it to just be your two kids as a family. You would have had everything you wanted. So I don't understand why you didn't just let her go to Robin's. Right. That was that's crazy. So this makes it even worse because it's like you on purposely could have saved that child and you didn't. It's almost like you got her to kill her. Yeah. What the fuck? I'm wondering, and now I'm wondering, did he have animosity towards his baby mother? You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, you know, so he took it out on Imani. Because, you know, that happens a lot. And that's right. horrible. So Sorry. that's what I'm wondering. So, so basically when the police came and, you know, he claimed that he had panicked. He put her body in a trash can outside the apartment and he had tried to cremate it. This is the story he told them. Now, the police found the body and didn't believe Iman's story, like, immediately. So they quickly identified him and his wife as suspects in this murder. So Iman was arrested immediately. Like as soon as they went out to the apartment and found the body, they arrested him immediately. <laughs> of course. Now, Tiffany had dropped her children's off at her mother's and had, you know, went to her sister's house and was like, you know, basically trying to hide out at her sister's house. But Iman ultimately he confessed to everything he confessed to covering up imani's murder by reporting her as a runaway trying to burn her body and in 2015 he pled guilty to felony murder and concealing a death now they immediately went to tiffany's house and they, um, tiffany's sister's house and they arrested her right there as well now iman did not go to trial he ended up taking a plea deal and the plea deal was life in prison without the possibility of parole and they took the death penalty off the table for him not to go to court he also agreed to testify against his wife tiffany for this wow. so, yeah so tiffany for whatever reason this was not smart she rejected her plea deal and she decided to go ahead and go to court now she was offered the same plea deal to just go ahead and take the death penalty off the table and have life with no parole. But she was like, she's going to take hers to trial. She was confident. Yeah. Like what the hell are you confident in? Right now? So basically in this, her trial, well, I can see what she's confident in. She has been beaten on this child for years. Oh, you're right. And then get put in the system and blatantly confess. I'd be beaten on this child. Now I almost killed her one time. And y'all gave her back. You're right. So that's so why she's, she's like, away with it. Yeah, she's like, I don't see the problem. Yeah, she's going to get away with it. Yeah, she feels like she's going to get away right. with it. Right. So it's the system's fault, too, why she feels like she could just get away with this. Because she's been getting away with Because she's been this. getting away with yeah. it. Yeah. The only thing she's got out the whole thing so far was losing her job. Right. Like, big wow. And she's been watching CSI, thinking that she could get better at getting away with it. Yeah. Wow. Now, Iman was, you know, sent to prison and he actually was served, incarcerated at the Smith State Prison in Glenville, Georgia. Now, the case against Tiffany went to trial and it was just a complete circus because this is what happened. So, Judge Hutchison was the judge that was over the trial and Tiffany originally had two capital defense attorneys, but she rejected the plea deal. She fired her attorney and she said she wanted to represent herself. Nice. Here now, we go. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. There's only been, I mean, there's been a few people that's done that, but honestly, never represent yourself in court and it will not go good. Man. There's only Didn't been- I tell you she was watching CSI yeah. Law and Order and stuff? Tone, tone. She's heard that and just felt like, and saw Ice-T and she was like, I could do that. Right. Like, what the hell? Like, you literally, 
The only other person that I know of that represented themselves in court was Ted Bunny. And we're going to go over his case. But Ted Bunny was an actual law student. So I could see him doing it a little bit better. And his shit didn't even go his way. So what the fuck made her yeah, think? I, I think I want to say I was, my real father did it one time. And it, it went okay. But it's that probably is just myth and legend. People yeah. be hyping themselves up. Yeah, because I'm like, dude, like you never want to. And anybody will tell you, don't represent yourself in court. Yeah, I mean, yeah. unless you have years of law. Yeah. Exactly, because you don't know like all the legalities. You don't know shit. Man, I've I've gone in there for a DUI and some old tickets, and let me tell you, even at those times, I've gone in there. They sound like it's English, but at the same time, it sounds like it's Japanese. Yeah. Well, you'd be like, did you and her concur with the session for concurrent? He does with the session of it, and then they all look over at you, and you're like, uh, <laughs> I do. <laughs> like, I don't know. Do, am I proposing? Like. What? <laughs> Hey, bro, I'm telling you, it's it's not like it's it's English, but it ain't English. <laughs> now the judge tried to talk her out of it. You know, he said the same thing. He was like, you know, like you can't represent yourself. You need an actual lawyer. But you know, she wasn't prepared. You know, she said she said she was preparing spiritually. She didn't go to the law library. You know, so the judge. Why do you put that on God and Jesus? That's. That's what she said. She was like, people, boy, why you put the law where God ain't nowhere near? Let me tell you that. Right. He ain't nowhere near a courthouse. (laughs) Why you put him in there? Why you saying that? I'm going to rely on the Lord and white Jesus to take me through this. Now, she also didn't call, she didn't know how to call witnesses. She didn't know how to look at discovery. Now, the judge sent her to the Supreme Court just to see, like, if she was sane enough to stand trial, like, to actually. That's, he was yeah. a jerk for that. Yeah, he sent her like, to the Supreme Court. let me send you to the highest level yeah. of court then. Yeah, he was like. You represent, you represent yourself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. he was like, because they, well, they had to make a determinant on if she could represent herself, if she was sane. Because if you're not legally sane, then you can't do it. Well, they found her legally sane enough. So they was like, you know, if she wants to represent herself, that's your right to represent yourself. You know? Mm-hmm. The Supreme don't care about you, boy. Damn. Right, they don't. They do not care. And so basically, but she did have to have backup counselors, two backup lawyers, just in case anything happened. So they were sitting behind her, but she was sitting at the table by herself. Now, the judge, Judge Hutchinson, when she came back from the Supreme Court, he asked, do you need anything to prepare for your trial? And she was like, she looked confused. And she was like, um, pencils? And a cheeseburger. Uh, like she, didn't she was know watching it. Liar Liar. She was like, and a glass of water, I think. I think Jim Carrey had that up right. there. Right. I think deep down inside, she really did not know how serious this shit was. Because she must have <laughs> been playing. Like, what is going on? Like, just to give you an example, like, so for jury selection, you know, the prosecutor picked their juries and then the defense can pick their jury. So mm-hmm. since she was her, her, her own attorney, she got to sit in. And these are the questions that she was asking potential juries. She said, so in this case, that's if you were picked for the jury and you did find the defendant, me, guilty of starving a child, my own child, and burning her body, would you be able to consider life with, with parole as an option or would you have to give me the death penalty? These are the things, and so, like, some of the jurors was looking so uncomfortable, they was like, um, I don't know, I think death penalty, I think like, I'm to fry you, lady? Yeah, like, what? <laughs> like, Are you um, asking that to me personally? Like, you wasn't watching the Pelican Brief, was it? Right, like, what kind of, can you imagine being a jury, and, I mean, I think that'd be weird, too, like, because she's the defense, but she's acting as the attorney, so she's the one that's gonna be asking the question, like, that's just weird. I'd be amused. That, I'd be like, I'm sitting in here. And I'll be, she'll be like, and so what would you do? I'll be like, I guess uh, I'm going to have to fry your ass, honey. 
Next question. Like, I gotta look her dead in her eye, like. <laughs> What's the? What else do you want to know? <laughs> now then, you're back with this. Did you hear what she said? She asked, "Can you consider life with parole? Like, which? Why do you think you need parole?" Like, I'd be like, "No, no, no, no." I feel like you decided you wanted to play in the major leagues, and this is what happens, girl. Either you hit a home run, or we're going to strike your ass out. Right. You hear me? And I'll strike you like a match. They're going to light you on fire. <laughs> like you did little Imani. Right. You know what I'm saying? I wish they still had the electric chair. I wish I they still been. had the you die how you kill somebody method. Have they ever had that? I mean, they need to bring it in. <laughs> they need to, you <laughs> know, I stand by it. You uh, die how you get convicted of killing somebody. Uh, <laughs> We're going to duct tape you and fry your ass. How does it feel? Yeah, right? In this case, I would that would be warranted because this bitch needs to fry. Iman needs to fry too. I'm mad he took that plea deal because he needs to be on death row too. But mm, mm, mm. Now, this case took six years to go to trial. The prosecution presented this case as a Cinderella story gone wrong. They said that, you know, Tiffany was the evil stepmother from hell and she only cared about her kids. You know, Imani and Imani loved her brothers and sisters. She was very loving and everything like that. But Tiffany only wanted her family. She only wanted the family that, you know, she created. The grandmother got to talk. Robin was very emotional. She was just like, you know, she wanted to take her in and she was just really emotional about what happened. Why don't they bring back the gun line and have people volunteer for that? Like, why don't they call you like they call you for uh, for jury duty and call you for a gun line and you had to oh. come up and shoot somebody? Oh, I'd yeah. be I'd be volunteering too much. Be like, heck yeah, he killed a child. Let me shoot him. Yeah, I remember that. Got they- you up. Yeah, I remember because it would be like 10 people in a line and I think only one bullet was the murder bullet because they didn't want people to feel like guilty. Yeah, so I, think like, I think it was like bullets. three of them is the bullet. So you didn't you, you couldn't tell it was yeah. one, but yeah, but, but everybody care. else had I like blanks. I want to know. Would you want to know? I would want to know. I'd be there pointing that gun at yeah. your ass every time. I feel but, good every time right, I put a trigger whether I shot you or not. Yeah. I, like, cacao. Put it back up. Give me another yeah. one, John. That's, that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't mind knowing that I had the murder bullet. I'm not, because, you know, some people are like, oh, I killed somebody. But if I had the murder bullet, you don't got to put no, like, you don't have to tell me whether I had the rubber or the murder. Just tell me what I had. I'm not going to go bad. I grew up watching Old Yeller and Bambi. <laughs> people get knocked down. You hear what I'm saying? And yeah. you can be that one. Oh, my gosh. Right. Especially for these people right here, because this is just terrible. <clears throat> Now, they brought in Imani's fourth grade teacher that was on the stand, and they said that she was just such a loving little girl to all her students, like all the staff, her classmates. They said she was just the best student, you know, to have and everything like that. Now, Iman testified on day two of the trial, and a lot of his testimony is on YouTube, so that's where I got a lot of this information as I was watching the YouTube of this court document. You guys gotta watch the trial. It's about, like, two hours longer. I mean, some videos are, like, four hours, but you guys gotta watch it because you get, like, a lot of information, you know, because this is an overview, but if you want to know, like, the whole breakdown, the questioning, everything that happened, and you can even see, like, Tiffany's demeanor because she's sitting there, and she really just you can tell she's in her own world. Like she just does not understand this whole process. And it's like, why are you here? Like, why are you amusing? Right. It's it, the whole thing. It was, it was, it would have been funny if it wasn't about a death of a child, but I'm like, you're sitting here. Like you're acting like you're at traffic court. That was her whole demeanor. I want to zoom like, in when they, when they finally gave her the case of guilty, not guilty. And she's her own representative standing there. Oh my God. So we're going to get into that too. Like, does she have to turn and handcuff herself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Now, of course, Iman testified on day two of the trial. They brought him in because that was part of his plea is to testify against her. And Tiffany did not give an opening statement. She didn't cross-examine any of the witnesses because she didn't know what the hell she was doing. She was just there. She should have watched Chicago. Right. Now, a medical examiner was brought in and they talked about Imani's skin and bones. They said she had a sunken in face and she definitely was starved to death. An average 10-year-old weighs between 54 and 110 pounds and she actually was 32 pounds at the time of her death. Mm. She also had bed sores, burns on her stomach. Um, There wasn't any blunt force trauma, so she wasn't like, you know, actually hitting her in the head. But her stomach when they opened it up only had one table side one tablespoon of fluid in her stomach and that's very very low she literally had nothing in her stomach so it's like even on days when like we like let's say you don't eat have you ever gone all day and just not even ate nothing and you just feel like your stomach is just eating on itself you're still gonna have something in there from previous days so the fact that she had one tablespoon of fluid she hadn't eaten in like days Mm, mm, that's mm. how horrible it was and, you know, and that was from when her dad, Iman, remember, was trying to feed her like the little cereal or oatmeal. That's what that was from. So she hadn't even eaten since then. And they said her liver and spleen was half the size of a normal weight. And the cause of death was officially starvation by homicide by starvation. So as starvation, she described it was a long and painful process. So they said that, you know. The first stages, the early stages is when, you know, we haven't eaten all day or whatever. That's when you kind of get those hunger pains, you know, your stomach starts feeling uncomfortable, but literally, and then you may want to ask for food, but literally as it goes on and on and on, you start feeling apathy. You start feeling fatigue. Then you get listless and lethargic. Then you don't feel like moving around at all. And then after a minute, your hunger pain starts to go away because it's like it's numbing himself, but you're still hungry. And that's when it's it's at its worst. That's when you're about to pass away mm-hmm. because your body is now shutting down. So they just, the medical examiner described what it was like for Imani to just sit there and literally starve to death in that room. And so eventually, of course, you know, she died. They had a computer forensic examiner that took the stand as well. And they was reading text messages between Iman and Tiffany at court. And Tiffany would always complain about Imani, you know, everything that, you know, she would say, she would be like, oh, Imani did this. Like she was always texting him at work and saying, Imani did this. And Imani would uh, say she rubbed boo-boo on the walls. And so when, you know, Iman was questioned, he said, so... Tiffany would text you and say Imani was rubbing boo-boo all over the walls and this was why she was beating her. He was like, yeah. And then she would say in the text messages, I'm going to keep this like this so you can see what your daughter is doing when you get home from work. He said, when we got home from work, did you ever see anything on the wall? Yeah, he was like, no. So he was like, so you believed her? Like, there was never any evidence. So she was lying on your daughter. Right, like, what happened to the stuff she said she was going to keep there? Right. It wasn't even chocolate pudding on the walls? Right, it was nothing. Like, right. And so that that went really bad as well because everything was just lost. Then they brought up the whole food. She was always texting him food. And so they would say, this is proof. Like, you would cook for your kids. You would cook for Iman, but you didn't feed Imani anything. Imani had nothing in her stomach, yet you was cooking all this good food all the time. So that went against her. 
it was at some point Tiffany asked to speak to the judge ex parte. Ex parte was when you excuse everybody out of the courtroom and you just kind of talk to the judge one-on-one, but you have to have a reason for that. And, the, and she didn't even have a reason for that. I don't even know like what she was going to say. She was looking up some shows and, yeah. some, TV and some movies. Yeah. She was, she was looking was up like, some terminology. Yeah, like, she, yeah, parlay. She saw it on, <laughs> she saw it on Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, I, yeah, I could do that. A parlay. I want to do some ex parte. I'm like, yeah, you don't know I anything. Do but par- you she said parlay. <laughs> And he was like, wait a minute, you mean ex parte? Like, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> oh my God. Now the text- what Captain Jack Sparrow had. <laughs> now the text messages also described Imani as a major nuisance and everything. And they also pointed out, the prosecution also pointed out her kids was well taken care of, not starved, and they was at normal weight. One was overweight. Yeah. <laughs> So it was like they pointed out the whole family d- dynamic. And like I said, it was just Imani was, you know, in the, on the outside looking in, you know. And now the prosecution also pointed out that Tiffany knew how to be a good mother. She just wasn't a good mother for Imani. And that was proof. Now, the jurors went out and they deliberated and they came back and she was found guilty. She was found guilty of murder, two felony murder counts, and two counts of cruelty to children in the first degree, one count of concealing the death of another as well. And so, and the, the jury only had to deliberate for three hours. So anybody that knows the... That yeah. was how long it took for the food to come there. Yeah. They called Uber Lyft, man. Right. Was like, let's get this Uber Eats real quick. Who won't pho? <laughs> Who won't Philly cheesesteaks? All right. All right, and they took that's what how it took the long partness of the vote was, right. who, was between Philly cheesesteaks or pho. Okay. Pho went out by, yeah. like, by one vote. Oh yeah, and they, that's and so after they slurped that down, they came back and they were like, you know that the chick is dead, right? Yeah. So let's just go ahead and do this. Absolutely, I because mean, those of you guys that don't know, like deliberation, the shorter it is, the worse it is for you. It's definitely going to be guilty of it. Shorter if it if it takes a long time for them to deliberate, that's good on you. Right. So, you know, she was sentenced to death. And by the way, she's the only woman that's on Georgia's death row right now, sitting on death row. And after all this stuff happened, Grandma Robin ended up suing the DCFS because, you know, of everything. She felt like the system failed Imani, mm-hmm. you know, and she said she would take Imani and they wouldn't let her. So she actually filed a lawsuit. And because of this, a case manager was fired, a social service administrator was fired, and a program assistant. They were all fired as the result of this lawsuit. Nice. And they changed the policies as well, which is horrible because sometimes it takes something really horrible to happen for the policies to change. So now it's more like they'll, they'll start listening. Close part is, it, it didn't take the policies. It didn't take the horrible happening. Mm-hmm. That's the scariest of it all. Yeah. It took somebody costing y'all money. Like, okay, oh, well, you right. know what? I'm about to get paid yeah. for the fact that y'all blatantly mm-hmm. had evidence to stop this and you didn't. Yeah. And that's when it was like, you know, well, let's change the system. We don't want it to cost us money no more. Yeah. Not saving another child, yeah. but don't cost us no more money. You're right, because they didn't change it until she sued. So until if she, she sued. Not, yeah. Wow. That's so fucking sad. The system is ass. The system is freaking ass. Now, now those of you that's wondering what happened, you know, after the whole trial. Now, Tiffany and Iman, they decided to stay married, even though one's on death row, one's life without parole. Now, they, of course, lost custody of their two children. And so the children were sent to live with foster parents, and eventually they were adopted out. Now, 
the Tiffany, I don't know what happened, but it says the Moss couple. So Tiffany and Iman, they tried to, you know, keep their custody of their children, which you re they realize they can't live with them in prison, right? But they they try to keep the custody. And then both, you know, Tiffany, and, so both um, Iman's mothers, Iman's mother tried to gain custody of the kids as well. Mm -hmm. So both her mom and his mom, so Robin again tried to get custody of the kids. And they said no, and they was adopted out by somebody different. But I wonder why they never let at least Robin take the kids. Because Robin, I don't understand. They like, And the person that they let adopted wasn't even related to them. It was just... So, yeah. So, Tiffany's mom... And his name was Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> right. Like, 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 that, that doesn't that make is, sense. It's good stuff. It's, it's like, good yeah. stuff. You can't, you can't make this up right It doesn't here. make sense. Iman's mom and Tiffany's mom, and which is nothing wrong with those two mothers. Why did you not keep them in the family? You sat there and let them get adopted by somebody else. I don't get that. That's crazy. We and God knows how they're being treated. We don't know anything about those foster parents. So you know about Robin. So I don't get it. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them has been convicted seven times for beating these children out. Right. Like That's what I'm seems saying. Seems like it's the pattern of what y'all just let slide. It's like and Robin has proven to be a good grandmother, so it's like you don't want these kids, none of these kids to be in a good loving home. Like these kids are traumatized and you're gonna take them out of their loving home, like with Robin or with Tiffany's mom. I don't know much about Tiffany's mom, but Something is better. At least keep them together, you know? Now, in 2019, they fought, but they lost. And so they was adopted out. Now, the couple's son, who was three years old when Imani was murdered, he did say that he had some memories of the crime. But the other little girl, um, she doesn't know anything. Emma is the little youngest girl's name. And she doesn't remember anything because she was just a baby. Mm. so yeah so basically the whole thing it wasn't too much trauma for him so i'm glad to know he remembered some stuff but he doesn't remember everything and then the little girl doesn't remember anything but it's still like they're gonna grow up and they're gonna you know hear things and now they don't have parents and apparently i don't know what happens once they're adopted i wonder is robin not allowed to see them no more because i'm i'm guessing once they're adopted out those parents have a say so and whether they let robin visit or whatever so i don't even know if that's gonna happen right I, we don't. We it all is a gray area on how their interaction with afterwards. So yes. Robin might not even see those children no more until they're grown and they can make their own decisions. Right. That is so sad. For I feel bad not just for Tim, I mean for Imani because you know I feel horrible for Imani, but I also feel horrible for Robin because can you imagine like what she must be going through and the anguish that she must be going through and what she couldn't really save her, she couldn't do anything. Um. Yeah. Uh. It's it's the penalty of the beautiful soul, man. That happens in the world like this where she could you can only do so much you can only be you know so big of a person yeah to do so much against something where it's completely out of your hands yeah yeah that's really sad this whole case well that's the story of tiffany moss oh my gosh that was the stepmother from hell that was worse than a cinderella story at least cinderella only had to do chores right, right. yeah but it, i mean I think the real life Cinderella uh, story. She was like abused very heavily. Just like the, uh, the if you read the if you read the actual real life Red Riding Hood story, she's actually like kidnapped by the guy for years and like slaved out and mm, I like walking around in chains and stuff like oh, that. Oh, these are the dark stories. Man, it's like where, the, it's like the where, real version, the grim version. Cause it comes from the, this guy, the, the family, you know, Grim Brothers. Oh, I, they so, used to I love work, the Grim Brothers. Yeah, but the real versions are really yeah. dark versions of these fairy tales of what actually happened. Yeah, you know, there's like. A Chinese version of Red Riding Hood, where like she just walks around like with an armor that he made her have and an iron mask, and she walks around rubbing it against the walls and dies. Wow. She never, she actually never gets away. And I didn't dies, know that. Like what? rubbing her face against the walls 
And so you what can see that, that to- you, if you hear the scraping of metal, it's the torture soda of a little red riding hood. What? That's, like, what the <laughs> hell do you read? I hope you don't read these as bad time stories. Cause, <laughs> well, no, I just, I, I'm one of those weirdos that like look for the root of where this stuff came yeah. from. And then you're like, wow, you know, like Ring Around the Rosie is about smallpox or something. Yeah, like I knew that. about that one. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it's like. Because they would keep flowers in their pockets because I guess they would like start stinking so bad. Mm-hmm. That's. That's sad. I used to be, love me some Ring Around the Rosies. Right? You know, yeah. I used to sing that song. I know that you sing about millions of children dying. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. So, you know, it's it's just the reality of the crazy way that life is, cr- like, cruel. Really yeah. cruel sometimes, is what I'm saying. Well the, cra- well, the good positive thing that came out of this case is because a lot of times death row inmates get appeals. You know, you automatically when you're sentenced to death, you get appeals. Well, Tiffany's not really going to have much of an appeal because typically the first appe- the first thing that you do on an appeal is you say, like, you had your counsel was bad. Like, your counsel was inadequate. Well, you were your own counsel and you chose to be your own counsel and you were sane enough, so you really can't put that on there. So she's not going to have very much to appeal with, you know what I mean, like, for her death sentence. So I'm happy about that. I'm not happy about the fact that it seems like she has a chance to sit here and get an appeal. Well, anybody she's that's... already been taken to the back room and shot by <laughs> at least three people in the head. Right. That's I... what I'm saying. Just two people got bullets, one don't have a blank. And everybody stand over her forehead and pop that melon. I, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. You know? But yeah, she's going to get an automatic appeal. So she's the only woman sitting on death row and she deserves it. Mm, mm, mm. Well, do you know what we have coming up next week? I do not. So next week we have a guest coming on. Monica. Monica McMundy is coming on to talk about That's her. That's a name right there. That's a cool name. Yeah. Well, her son's tragic death. He died in, in a drinking and driving car accident. Oh. We're going to talk about why, you know, DUI should probably, you know, DUIs definitely should be have more, you know, um, what do you call it, consequences behind it when it comes to deaths. Because we're going to hear her story and it's like the amount of time this lady got and she killed two people, not just one person. It was her son and his coworker. And I was like, wow, when you hear the amount of time she got, it's just going to blow you away because you hear about people getting more than that for drugs. So I mean, a DUI is a, I'm a mixed bag Yeah. with that, only because it's something kind of personal. Yeah. I, I was intoxicated and in driving. But at least you didn't kill anybody, a, you know? Yeah, I wasn't of that level. Yeah. But, I mean, there is that gray zone of what is somebody's tolerance level and what can and cannot. Yeah. Um, and I've heard a lot of horror stories. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I am an advocate for not drinking and driving. Yeah. I definitely am. Um, and it's worse for women so it's crazy because I could have three drinks and you could have three drinks but then you know I would be at the illegal limit and you wouldn't because it's all about your body tolerance and all kinds of stuff right. like that it's, it's crazy all these you know different scenarios of what it plays out to be that you can't look at the next person and say oh I'm not drunk because uh, she's not drunk because we both had the same amount it's yeah it becomes uh, man it's crazy that's one of those case by case things yeah you know but I, I would love to hear this well yeah I'm happy that we're coming I, he, she's coming on and we're going to talk about Tareen his name is Tareen he had a great name and okay. yeah she's living his legacy and we're going to talk about it next week so in the meantime make sure you rate and follow us so you can rate us on Spotify you can rate us on Apple you can rate us on anywhere that you listen to this podcast but rate us because it really does help the show out a lot you know right yeah. and we need a 10 yeah a fucking 10 yes after every yes we do need that right so rate us rate us rate us and then also contact us uh, and then make a, a new account and rate us again yeah hell yeah you I know? didn't even think about that just yes. on multiple emails just sign in with multiple different emails and keep rating us please do that 
And then also, please join the discussions group on Facebook, Hot Garbage True Crime Edition. And then also follow us on Instagram at Hot Garbage Show. And also follow me on TikTok at Author Nisha. And also send us an email, you know, if you want to hear anything or even if you want to just talk to us, hotgarbagenews at gmail.com. So take care and watch your back out there.